Well, hello everybody. How are you doing today? Hello everybody on social media. So glad you've joined us. Hey, we're doing a series on uh, lessons from the kings. Lessons from the kings. And uh, last week we concluded uh, King Solomon. And today I want to pick up with uh, his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam, uh, he succeeded his father Solomon, but there's another man named Jeroboam that you need to know about. Now we're going to have two names going on here, Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, okay? Uh, are you glad you're not named Jeroboam or Rehoboam? We've got these two guys. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. Jeroboam was Solomon's servant, one of his uh uh, servants was a mighty man of valor. That was Jeroboam. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Okay, and if you'd go to First Kings eleven, I'm going to read several verses here uh, because uh, what we're going to read here sets up uh, information that you're going to need for the remainder of this series. Okay, you need to know what happens here with Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Okay, again, Rehoboam is Solomon's son. Jeroboam was Solomon's servant. Now notice here in 1 Kings 11, verse 28, I'm going to read several verses in the New Living Translation. It says, Jeroboam, now this is not Solomon's son, this is his servant, Jeroboam. I wish their names weren't so similar, it'd be easier, you know. But anyway, Jeroboam was a very capable young man, and when Solomon saw how industrious he was, he put him in charge of the labor force from the tribes of, tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph. One day as Jeroboam was leaving Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh met him along the way. Ahijah was wearing a new cloak and uh, the two of them were alone in a field. And uh, Ahijah to uh, took hold of the new cloak he was wearing and tore it into 12 pieces. Now, remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel. He tore the cloak into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take 10 of these pieces. Now that's very important. That's prophetic. Take 10 of these pieces, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon. See, Solomon was still living at this point. And I'll give, and I will give 10 of the tribes to you. Think about that. But I will leave him one tribe. Now remember there was, now there was 12 tribes. And uh, but and, and we're going to see Jeroboam is going to get ten of them, so there was two remaining. Okay, and and he but he makes mention of the one tribe here, and, and the one tribe that's going to be left for Solomon's son actually was two tribes. It was Judah and Benjamin, but Benjamin got integrated into Judah. And so it's just considered the one tribe known as Judah, okay? And so I'll leave you one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem. And of course, God had told that to Solomon back. Remember, we covered it earlier when Solomon had sinned and so forth. And he said he would, he would take the kingdom away from him, but not in his days, but take it away from his son and so forth. And that's what's happening now. Are going to happen. Anyway, he said, uh, he said, uh, verse 32, but I will leave him one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. For Solomon, verse 33, has abandoned me and worshiped Ashtaroth and the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemoth, 
and the God of Moab and so on and so forth. Solomon did some bad stuff, didn't he? And we talked about that. Verse 34. But I will not take the entire kingdom from Solomon at this time for the sake of my servant David, the one whom I chose, so on and so forth. Now notice verse 35. But I will take the kingdom away from his son and give ten tribes to you. I mean, think about that. I mean, that was a place of honor that Jeroboam had with the Lord, wasn't it? And uh, now notice verse 36. His son will have one tribe so that the descendants of David, my servant, will continue to reign, shining like a lamp in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen to place my name. Now notice verse 37. And I will place you on the throne of Israel. So see in the north, there were 10 tribes in the north known as Israel and two tribes in the south, but Judah and Benjamin, but there were... One tribe, Judah, okay, because Benjamin was integrated into Judah. So there was ten in the north and two in the south. And the one in the north was known as Israel. The one in the south was known as, as Judah. Did you follow that? So how many tribes are in the north? There's ten. And that's known as what? Israel. In the south, there was two tribes, but really they, there was really the one I mean, Benjamin and Judah, but is known as Judah. You understand that? So there, was, so, 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 so there was one tribe in the south, all right? You understand that? And it was known as Judah. So how many in the north? Ten. How many in the south? Two. Two, but really what? Really one, okay. And You understand. And so the one in the north was known as what? Israel. The one in the south? Judah. Okay. Now Jeroboam... Solomon's servant is going to get the one in the north, the ten. Wasn't that pretty cool the way the prophet tore his clothes and there was 12 pieces and he told him to take ten? It's pretty cool, isn't it? And God did that from time to time. He'd have prophets do things similar to that, those sorts of things. But anyway, he says in verse 37, I'll place you on the throne of Israel. Now listen to what God is saying through the prophet here to Jeroboam. It's going to be very important later on. I'll place you on the throne of Israel and you'll rule over all that your heart desires. Think about that. Think about that. God just told him, he said, I'll put you on the throne of Israel and you will rule over all that your heart desires. Think about that. And now listen, if you listen to what, verse 38, if you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways and do whatever I, whatever I consider to be right, and if you obey my decrees and commands as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. I will establish you. I will establish an enduring dynasty for you as I did for David, and I will give Israel to you. I mean, you think about that. It's going to be important that you remember that later on. And I'll just give you a little foretaste of what's going to happen. You would think a man like this would serve God faithfully and listen to God. And you would think that, wouldn't you? You're going to be shocked, I think. In just a little while when we see that he sets up two golden calves in two different places in Israel and has the people worship those golden calves. Much like Aaron did, with, remember when Moses was up on the mountain? Remember that? And, and, and Aaron, they, they made that golden calf. He's going to do a similar thing. He's going to have two of them and he's going to direct the people to worship those golden calves. Can you imagine? Why would a man do that when God told him these wonderful things? Why wouldn't this man serve God faithfully all the rest of his life? Why would, why would he? Can you imagine making two golden calves and telling the people to worship the golden calves instead of worshiping God after God just told you this? It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. 
Anyway, we'll get to, we'll see that as we go. Verse 39, because of Solomon's sin, I'll punish the descendants of David. And uh, anyway, verse 40, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. Because you can see why Solomon would want to do that. Solomon's still alive right now when this happening. And he realizes this guy is going to be taken over. And he tried to kill him, but, but Jeroboam fled to King Shishak of Egypt. Now remember Shishak. You glad you're not named Shishak? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he fled to King Shishak of Egypt and stayed there until Solomon died. Now, how did, now how did this, how did the, the, the United Kingdom of Israel we know that it's going to break up into two parts, 10 in the north, 2 in the south. How is it going to happen? Well, let's go see here. 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's see how it happened. Now, that was Jeroboam. That was Solomon's servant. But now Solomon has a son named Rehoboam. Okay? And, and, and you need to realize as we go down the road, you see that the, the kingdom split in two. You're going to have kings in the north, kings in the south. And we're going to be covering these kings concurrently as we go. So we'll be talking about northern kings, southern kings. And just, you know, in the timeline as they go together, we'll be covering them concurrently. So with that in mind, but let's see how this kingdom split. Let's see what caused the split. And we know God was, was orchestrating it, you know, uh, so to speak. It was in his will that it split because it, it was his judgment on Solomon. We understand that. We've covered that. But uh, uh, notice here, 1 Kings 12, verse 1. And Rehoboam, now this is Solomon's son, went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So now Solomon has died. Okay, And it happened when Jeroboam, uh, the son of Nebel, heard it. He was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. We just talked about that. So Jeroboam's in Egypt. Solomon dies, right? He hears about it. He's going to be coming back, okay, from Egypt. But now Rehoboam is, is going to be made king instead of uh, Solomon, okay? Because Solomon has now died. Now verse 3, and they, and they sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Now listen to this. Your father, now, now here's the deal. They approach they approach um, uh, Rehoboam. He's Solomon's son. They approach him. Jeroboam is like leading this coalition now. And they're approaching the sons. Uh, uh, Jeroboam. Boy, I wish their names were different. But Jeroboam. All right. He's, he's come back from Egypt. All right. He's leading this coalition now. And they're approaching the king's son, Rehoboam. And they're going to make a request. Now listen to this request. Your father made our yoke heavy. This is Solomon. He made our yoke heavy. And you know Solomon did that through taxation and forced labor. Okay, So he made the people's yoke very heavy. Now therefore lighten the burdensome service of your father. Burdensome service of your father. And his heavy yoke which he put on us and we will serve you. So uh, he said to them, depart for three days, then come back to me. And the, and the people departed. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders. You know, it's a good thing to consult people that have experience. He consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon while, while Solomon still lived. And he said, how do you advise me to answer these people? Now, what did these people want? They just wanted the burden of taxation to be lifted, okay? Just light, light, lighten the load, okay? If you ever had a heavy load on you and you like it, if you ever had a boss that was, was, was loading you down and it would be nice if they just lightened the load a little bit, you know? Well, that's kind of what this, this, is go, this is going on here. They're just, just lighten the load a little bit, okay? And so they spoke to him and they said this. Now, these elders say this to Rehoboam. If you will be a servant to these people today. How many of you know leaders ought to be servants, shouldn't they? Yes. Just be a servant 
and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them. You know, people want, want you need to hear good words, don't you? We need to hear gracious words. Then they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders that were, was given him. He, he rejected the advice of the elders. You know, it's a dangerous thing to, to reject good, sound, solid advice. And he rejected the advice which the elders had given him. What did the elders say? Just lighten the load on these people. Don't be so hard on them. Speak some good words to them. Lighten the load. They'll serve you the rest of your life. But he rejected that advice and consulted the young men. You got to watch going and listening to young whippersnappers. You know what a young whippersnapper is? I've had to deal with some young whippersnappers in my life. They think they know everything. They've accomplished nothing. They think they know everything. I've had to deal with some of them young whippersnappers. <laughs> no humility, think they know everything. Again, they've never done anything for the Lord. They hadn't even built a chicken coop for God. But they're going to come in here and tell me how to run the church. You know, it's un- unbelievable. Young whippersnappers. They never do amount to anything unless they change and humble themselves. But he rejected the advice of the elders that, that had, the elders had given him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me saying, listen, or, or I'm sorry, lighten the yoke which your father put on us. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you saying, your father made your yoke heavy, but you uh, make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger will be thicker than my father's waist. Did you get what he just said? He just said to them, he said, he said, my, my little, in other words, the young whippersnappers told Rehoboam to tell the people, you think my father was tough? I'm going to be really tough. In other words, my little finger is going to be thicker than my father's waist. In other words, in other, do you understand that? In other words, in other words, my, my, my little finger is going to be heavier than my father's whole waist was. We're going to double down. We're going to make it ten times, a hundred times, a thousand times harder on you is what he's saying. Here, look, look at this. Verse 11. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I'll chastise you with scourges, which was worse than whips. What's he saying? He, he's saying, look, I'm going to listen to these young whippersnappers, not the elders. I'm not going to make the load lighter. I'm going to make it heavier. And you thought my father was tough. You thought the wicked witch in the east was bad. The wicked witch in the west, she's even worse than the one in the east. So what he's saying, you know what I mean? So he's saying, you thought my father Solomon was tough. I'm going to be, I'm going to, we're going to double, triple, quadruple down on it. Now, how do you think the people are going to take that? Notice verse 12. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had directed, saying, come back to me the third day. Then the king answered the people and said, I'm sorry. Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice of the elders and uh, that had given him and uh, spoke to them according to the advice of the young men. Again, here's a lesson to learn. Listen to people who have experience. Don't reject their advice. Listen to them. Don't listen to some young whippersnapper that's wet behind the ears and has no experience. Many times they'll give you some really bad advice. And that's what happened here. 
Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders and listened to the young whippersnappers. Notice verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people for the turn of events was from the Lord. Now remember God, this was part of the judgment on Solomon for his idolatry. That he might fulfill his word, which the Lord has spoken by Ahijah, the Shilonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Anyway, verse 16. Now, when all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Go to your tents, O Israel. Now see your own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. And King Rehoboam sent it. Actually, what happened was Rehoboam, after this happened, he sent his tax collector out to collect taxes. And they stoned him to death. I mean, is that, is that, all Israel stoned him with stones and he died. Killed a tax collector. Remember, Rehoboam is going to make it tougher than Solomon. And so when he sent the tax collector out, they stoned the tax collector. And, and, and Rehoboam, he just barely escaped with his life. The people rose up against Rehoboam and said, no, no, we're not going to take this abuse any longer. And they seceded from the union. Much like what happened when Abraham Lincoln became president. Remember? Yeah. Several of the states seceded from the Union. That's what happened here. When Solomon would not lighten, uh, I'm sorry, when uh, Rehoboam would not lighten the load that Solomon had put on him, he wouldn't lighten the load. And what happened is the people revolted and those ten tribes in the north, they seceded from the Union. They made Jeroboam the king, just like the prophet told him, you know, when he yeah. tore his clothes, made him the king. And then uh, Rehoboam, he got to keep the two tribes in the, in the south, which was really the one tribe of Judah. Do you see how it all happened? Yeah. And, wh- and why was it? Because he wouldn't listen to the advice of the elders. He listened to the young whippersnappers. And he made life more miserable for the people. And the people revolted. And so the ten tribes in the north went with Jeroboam. And then the two in the south went with uh, uh, Rehoboam, and that's that's how the kingdoms split and divided. Interesting, isn't it? What lessons do we learn so far? Listen to your elders. Listen to people who have experience. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you go into the dentist and you get in the chair and they're going to do a root canal and you ask them how long you've been doing this and they say this is my second one. Does that make you happy? No. Now, wouldn't you rather have a root canalist that's been an endontist that's been doing that for years and years? You know what I mean? You know, whenever I do business with somebody, I always start checking up on them, see how long they've been doing it. You know, I realize people have to get experience and I understand that. It's like when I was trying to get a job teaching school, they'd ask you how much experience you had. And I was, I was right out of college, so I didn't have any experience. And they want somebody with experience. Well, how do you get experience if nobody will give you the chance? So I understand. It's kind of like a catch-22 on that. I understand that. But still, I like to listen to the advice of elders, people who have, who have uh, experience. And he wouldn't listen to the elders. He listened to the young whippersnappers. And it cost him, didn't it? It cost him ten tribes, didn't it? 
It absolutely did. Now, now with Rehoboam, let's let's talk a little more about him, and then we'll 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 talk about Jeroboam. But this is Solomon's son. Now the tribes have split, and and Jeroboam is ruling in the north. Rehoboam is ruling in the south. And, and why did it happen again? Because he wouldn't lighten the load on the people. Is that right? Okay, now look at 2 Chronicles 12, 14. 2 Chronicles 12, 14, New Living Translation. It's going to tell us, this one verse is going to sum up, really, Rehoboam for us. He, Rehoboam, was, what kind of a king was he? He was a what? He was an evil king. Now, now before I say any more, you're going to be amazed as we go through all these kings there's approximately 40 of them total in, if you add them up in the north and the south. Now, we're not going to cover each one of them in depth. Some of them will just mention their names and say a little more. Some of them we'll spend a good deal of time on. But, but here's the thing. The majority of them, almost all of them, not all of them, there were some good kings, but the majority of them were evil. Isn't that sad? God warned them early on about if they wanted a king, Remember, having a king was never the perfect will of God. He warned them what the kings would be like and what. The, huh? yeah. But here's the thing. Look at this. Rehoboam was an evil king. And notice, for he did not seek the Lord with all of his heart. Now, you know, when we talk about evil, we, we think about cussing. We think about getting drunk. We think about sexual immorality. We think about, you know, being mean to somebody. And that's all evil. All right. But a lot of times, you know, we need to realize God looks at things as being evil that we may not even think about. Why did he, why was he an evil king? He did not what? He did not seek the Lord with all of his heart. Now, you know, if you ask a lot of people, you know, is seek, if you refuse to seek God, is that evil? A lot of people wouldn't consider that evil. They'd say, well, you know, if I beat somebody up, that's evil. Or if I rob a bank, that's evil. But if I don't take time to read my Bible, or if I don't take time to pray, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't think that's being evil. God sees that as being evil. Now, that's a lesson we need to learn. That's worth coming to church just to get that right there. You know as well as I do, if you ask most Christians, well, you didn't read your Bible this week? No. You didn't pray this week? No. You didn't study your Bible at all this week? No. Is that evil? Most Christians say, well, it's not evil. It's not evil. I mean, evil would be if I went and cussed somebody out. That'd be evil. Or if I beat somebody up or if I stole money, that'd be evil. Or if I gossip, they yeah, that's evil. But I didn't seek the Lord. Most Christians wouldn't consider that as being evil. But God sees it. If you don't prepare your heart to seek the Lord, if you don't seek the Lord, if you don't read, study your Bible on a regular basis and and pray, God sees that as what? As evil. And I'll tell you what, if you don't seek the Lord. Now, listen, if you don't seek the Lord and set your heart to seek the Lord, you'll wind up doing evil things for sure. And that's what happened here. Notice in First Kings 14, watch this. First Kings 14, First Kings 14, verse 21. And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, that's going to give us a little summary here. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, First Kings 14, 21. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king. He reigned 17 years in Jerusalem. The city which the Lord had chosen out of all tribes to put his name. Now Judah, now watch this. Judah, now this is the, he's reigning over Judah in the south. Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, notice Rehoboam did evil so that his people are going to be doing evil. 
Because it's a follow the leader, isn't it? Right? So if the leader's evil, it's going to trickle down, isn't it? And that's what happened. And so Judah did evil because his heart was evil. He didn't prepare to seek the Lord. So he did a bunch of evil things. And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. They provoked him to jealousy with their sins, which they committed more than all their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, wooden images on every high hill and under every green tree. Think about that. And there were also perverted persons in the land, sexually sexual perverse people in the land. Actually, it was male prostitutes. It was very bad stuff. They did according to all the abominations of the nations which, which the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And it happened, and watch this, it happened in the fifth year of, of King Rehoboam's reign that Shishak, here's Shishak, king of Egypt, now watch this, came up against Jerusalem. Now, the God allowed Shishak, the king of Egypt, remember Egypt's a type of the world, God allowed Shishak to come against Rehoboam, and have victory against him because there was sin in the land. I tell you what, if you have sin in your life, you open yourself up to the devil's attack. You really do. And that's what happened here. And Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. Now listen to this. We're going to learn a lesson here. And he took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the gold shields which Solomon had made. Now think about that. Then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their place. Now, you might read over that and, and not catch it, but that's why you have me here. <laughs> I, I, I want you to catch something here. So, listen, what happened? All right, they've got, the, the, his heart was evil. He didn't seek the Lord. Evil things going on in the land. So they opened themselves up to the, to the devil's attack. Here comes, here comes Shishak. He comes in and he plunders and he takes everything, he t- including all the gold shields. He cleans out the temple of the Lord, Solomon's temple. He cleans it all out. And, uh, and it looked horrible. It looked terrible. And Rehoboam, who is the king, he makes bronze shields in their place. Now, bronze looks like gold, but it's not. It's a cheap imitation. Now let me just read from my notes. When we do not seek the Lord with all of our hearts, the things of the world and sin will creep in. Shishak, Egypt here, is a type of sin and a type of the world. Because Rehoboam did not set his heart to seek the Lord, Judah was overtaken by Egypt And they went, now listen to this, they went from a place of solid gold. Under Solomon, everything was gold. It was solid gold. Their their chalices were solid gold. They had so much gold under Solomon that they didn't even consider silver to be valuable because they had so much gold. Listen, I tell you what, sin will take the gold away from you and put bronze in your pocket instead. Bronze is a cheap imitation. Now, now, now listen, let me read this again. Shishak, or Egypt, is a type of sin of the world because Rehoboam did not set his heart to seek the Lord. Judah was overtaken by Egypt and they went from a place of solid gold to a place of cheap imitation bronze. But you see, Shishak came in and he did that. But you know, Rehoboam didn't like the way that looked. Everything being, being cleaned out. 
So what did he do? He made bronze shields to take the place of the gold because he was interested in appearance. He wanted things to look regal and royal, but the gold was gone. The devil took that. Shishak took that. And so he has bronze put in. Okay. Now let me read from my notes. How many Christians do not seek the Lord and are full of worldly things and put forth an appearance of solid gold, but in actuality they are little more than cheap imitation bronze. Now you think about that. How many Christians do not seek the Lord? Remember, if you don't seek the Lord, it's an evil heart. How many Christians do not seek the Lord and are full of worldly things, yet put forth an appearance of solid gold? I've met multitudes of them over 27 years. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They're saved people, all right. But they, they still have worldly things going on in their life. And they, they come to church. They put forth an appearance of solid gold on Sunday mornings. But in actuality are little more than cheap imitation bronze during the week. I don't want cheap imitation. I want the real thing. I've met some real deal Christians over the years. Some people who are really for real Christians. I had a lady tell me one time, uh, back many years ago, and, 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 and she, she, she had a supposed experience with the Lord that she supposedly got saved. And I began teaching some things from the Word of God on the, impor- on the importance of living right and living holy and whatnot. And, and, and she stopped coming to church and we checked up on her and she said, I'm not ready to be a full-time Christian. Well, I didn't know that there's any other kind of Christian. You want to be sure when you die that if that you're on the that you're she said, I'm not ready to be a full time Christian. You better be sure you're full. You you better not be taking a vacation from Christianity when you die. Can you say amen? Yeah, I'm trying to be humorous there. But I mean, there is no such thing as a part time Christian. You're either a full time Christian or you're no time Christian. Is that right? But so many Christians are full of. Cheap imitation. They look like gold, but they're not. They're cheap imitation. Do you know bronze can look like gold, but gold does not look like bronze? I'm going to say that again. Bronze can look like gold, but gold does not look like bronze. Have you ever been around a for real deal Christian? You know that they're really for real. You don't ever hear them gossiping. You don't ever hear them backbiting. You don't ever hear them lying. You don't ever see them cheating, stealing. They've got a joy about them. They've got a, they've got a light about them. They've got a gentleness about them. They've got a purity about them. Can anybody say amen to that? Absolutely. Don't you like being around those people? I like being around the solid gold Christians. I don't like being around the bronze ones, do you? I don't want a bunch of cheap imitation. And that's what happened here in, 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 to, to, to Rehoboam. And, and so, uh, it, and it's just a bunch of cheap imitation. Did you know some, now listen to me, the Lord wanted me to say this, so I wrote it in my notes. Some of the largest, what appear to be, notice appear to be, some of the largest, what appear to be the most successful churches in the United States, now listen carefully, are like Solomon's temple, what Solomon's temple became. They're full of cheap imitation things. You need to realize that. Imitation worship. It's not a spirit of worship, it's a spirit of entertainment. You got to be careful in this hour here in the United States. 
A lot of churches are not full of the real worship. They're full of a cheap imitation. It's a, it's, it's bronze. It's, it's, it's a spirit of entertainment. You need to steer away from that kind of worship. Amen. Amen. I tell you what, I've been in worship services. I can tell you when, when it's worship, I mean, worship in God. I tell you what, there's nothing like it. I was, I had a dream shortly after my mother passed away and, and I was caught up in that dream. You can believe it or not. I don't care. I was caught up to heaven. And I got to see just briefly a worship service in heaven. And I tell you what, I got a glimpse of that and I didn't want to come back here to earth. It was real. It was the power of God was on it. It was similar to earth. You know, you know, the earth is like a mirror of heaven. You understand that. I mean, it can be if we serve God and, and, and some of the worship services that I've seen here on the earth was similar to that. Only you see the worship in heaven. I tell you what, the power of God is on it. I've never seen or experienced anything like that in my life. I tell you what, it, I, they were worshiping God. It was a heavenly choir. My God, I've never seen anything anything like it. The power of God was on it. I didn't want to come back down here to the earth. I wanted to stay up there. I've never seen anything like it. There was no bronze in it at all. I tell you what, solid gold, solid gold, solid gold. I tell you what, it was powerful. It was wonderful. And, and, but here on the earth, have you ever seen the Billy Graham choir? Anybody ever seen the Billy Graham choir when they sing Just As I Am right at the end? I tell you what, that's what it was like, only you take that and put it up on Borg Warp. I mean, absolute uh, steroids. I tell you, what, it's unbelievable that the, the worship that's in heaven. People People want to know, what are we going to do in heaven? Is it a boring place? It's not a boring place. I tell you, it's a place of power. It's a place of worship. It's a place you get a little taste of that. You get a little piece of that action. You don't want to come back here to the earth no more. And when it's time for me to come back down, and remember I descended back down just like I want to. People want to know when they die. How long does it take to get to heaven? Just that quick. My God, you die. If you know Jesus Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you're in the presence of God so fast, faster than you can snap your finger or bat your eye. I was there that quick. I got to see a worship service in heaven. It was time for me to go. I came back down just like I went up and I came down crying and weeping because I didn't want to leave the presence of God. My God, that's the kind of worship I want here on the earth. Don't give me a spirit of entertainment on that I want the power of God I want the solid gold worship of almighty God how about you glory to God Amen. I'm tired of cheap imitation worship and I tell you what cheap imitation glory clouds my God in Solomon's temple they worshiped remember they worshiped in Solomon's temple and the glory cloud came in and it was so strong that they couldn't stand to minister how many remembers that but in the hour in which we live here in the United States there's so many imitation glory clouds produced by man-made fog machines. Don't give me a glory cloud produced by a man-made fog machine. I don't want that. I want the real glory of Almighty God. How about you? I don't want a man-made fog machine. Have you ever seen those? A man-made fog machine. What, what, what is that? That's cheap imitation is what that is. That's bringing bronze in where gold ought to be. It's cheap imitation and I don't care for it. I don't like it at all. Don't give me the cheap imitation fog machine made by man, made by hands. Give me the real glory of Almighty God. Give me the real cloud of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen to that? Boy, I get a little stirred up. Because I want the real. I said I want the real. I said I want the real. Don't give me imitation worship. Don't give me imitation glory. And don't give me imitation preaching. I don't want imitation preaching. Don't give me a talk. Now you know preachers are giving talks. I don't want a talk. I want a sermon. I want a message. Don't give me a little talk. 
If I want a little talk, I can turn on Dr. Phil. I can watch. Don't give me Dr. Phil when I come to the house of God. Don't give me a little talk. Don't give me a psychological, psychological self-help message. I don't want to hear that. Don't give me a comedian. I don't want a comedian in the pulpit. Don't give me some financial advisor in the pulpit when I go to church that's going to tell me, tell me how I can get a Cadillac, a condominium, or a cruiser. I don't want that. I don't want a pablum pushing pulpiteer. I want a man of God that's going to stand under the anointing of God and say, Thus saith the Lord God, and doesn't care uh, what people think, not afraid of man or beast. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. I want this kind of preaching right amen. here. Can you tell the power of God came on me there? Give me that when I come to church. I don't want an imitation preacher. I don't want a bronze preacher. I want a solid gold preacher. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Like I said, bronze can look like gold. Imitation. But I tell you what, gold does not look like bronze. And you can know when you've got the gold. I don't know if you can tell, but I want to say it again. See when the power of God came on me there. Can you notice that's gold, isn't it? Not me, it's the power of God came on me. That's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we need in this nation. There's too much, there's too many churches, too many mega church, too many, too many media churches in this nation that's pumping out bronze to the people of this nation. And we need to be pumping out gold. Glory to God. Solid gold. When I was up in heaven there for that short time, I tell you what, everything was solid gold. Everything I saw was solid gold. Well, the Bible says the streets are solid gold, aren't they? And I was, I was crying when I came back and you asked my wife. I woke up crying. I've never had an experience like that before or since. But it was real, it was so real, just as real. Absolutely the truth. And I tell you what, I, heaven, I've told so many people over the years when a loved one died that was saved. I said, I told them, I said, you know what? They wouldn't want to come back now from heaven if they could. Right. And I tell you what, I, I, that's a God's honest truth. You get a little glimpse of that glory up there, you don't want to come back here no more. Absolutely. As much as I love my wife, as much as I love you, as much as, I tell you, what, I, I'm ready to stay in heaven. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful place. It's a real place. It's not a cheap imitation place. It's a real place. Glory to God. And we can have, the Bible says we can have heaven on earth. Praise God. So let's be sure that we're real deal Christians. All right. I am not a part time Christian. I'm a full time Christian. How about you? Amen. No bronze for me. I want the solid gold. Anyway, Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other, and so on and so forth. Uh, did you have enough, or are you thirsty for more? More. You want a little bit more? Yeah. How much time do I have? I got a little. I got a little time. Let's let's try to do Jeroboam. I did Rehoboam. Now Jeroboam. You want you want to do Jeroboam? Sure. Let's do it. I can do it in about ten minutes. All right. If anointing kicks in here and you listen good, we might be able to do it in nine and a half. All right. All right. Here we go. Now, Jeroboam, now was he Solomon's son or Solomon's servant? He was a servant. Did he have the tribes, did he have the tribes in the south or in the north? He's in the north. How many in the north? Ten. Okay. Now, notice here, uh, he was the first king of the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, known as Israel. In the south it was Judah, in the north it was Israel. And we've talked about that. Now, he's going to be forever remembered as the king who caused Israel to sin. Remember, God told him all those wonderful promises through the prophet. And he didn't listen to God. And he's going to be known as the king who caused Israel to sin. And he became the prototype of an evil king. Now, you think about that. 
Fifteen later kings were described in, in the north, were described as evil like Jeroboam. God gives you such good promises. Why do you want to be evil? I don't understand that. Now listen, let me read from my notes. Although God had promised Jeroboam a great and lasting dynasty, Jeroboam rejected God's promise. In order to achieve political security, Jeroboam abolished national worship of the Lord and replaced it with worship of golden calf idols. Unbelievable. Jeroboam was concerned that the people of Israel might return to Judah if they continued to journey to Jerusalem for the festivals and observances of the Temple of Solomon. So he proposed an alternative form of worship that was idolatrous. He made two calves of gold and bore, that bore a close resemblance to the mouths of the Canaanite pagan god Baal. The king told his countrymen, it's, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel. So he points to these golden calves and he says, here's your gods. If I did that in this church, I'd expect everybody to leave. Absolutely. Now listen to this. He said, here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. One calf was erected in Bethel and the other in Dan. Bethel means house of God, right? Think about that. He offered sacrifices to these images and gradually polluted the worship of Israel. Now, 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 so he did that now, but then he does something else. Listen to this. He fired all the Levitical priests anointed and appointed by the Lord. He fired them. And appointed a priesthood of his own who worked for him. Therefore, there would be no authority to point out his error in worship to the people and point them in the right direction. Listen, you know how I, I talked a moment ago about gold and, and, and bronze and the real deal in the pulpit and whatnot? I wouldn't go to a church where the people could fire the pastor. Right. Now, what did he do right here? He fired the preachers. He fired the Levitical priests. I wouldn't go to a church where, they could, where the people can fire the pastor. Because you don't have a gold pastor there, you got a bronze pastor. I, now, I'm not taking that back. But if you go to a church where the deacon's wives can control the pastor, or the deacons can control the pastor, or the elder's wives can control the pastor, or the elders can control the pastor, you don't really have a for real pastor. You've got a puppet there. And God told me years ago the, the, the way to set this church up. Now, we're accountable. We're accountable to the organization that we're under. And if God needs to deal with me, he deals with me through them. And he has a time or two over the years. All right, where I need early on when I need a little correction, a little direction, and, and I'm open to that. But God isn't going to correct the minister through the people of the church. Doesn't mean you can't have a suggestion. Doesn't mean that you can't talk to me. Doesn't mean I've had many people over the years come. They've asked me questions. I've answered them. They said, Pastor, you know, and they've had, and look, I'm open to be pliable. But if you've got a pastor that the people can get together and fire, you don't really have a man of God on your hands. Now, I'm not taking that back. And I'm at a place in my life, I don't, have any, I don't really have anything to lose. So there I said it. But it's the truth. And God told me to set it up that way. And I've been able to stand in this pulpit and say, Thus saith the Lord God over the last 27 years. Do you know there are some churches that if I would have said what I just said a minute ago in, they'd fire me and they'd get rid of me? Yeah. 
I had a, a young assistant years ago. His name was Ryan. And, 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 and he came to me one time and I asked him, I said, I said, Ryan, I said, because uh, there was some little tumult going on in the, in the church back there. Then, you know, every church is going to have a tumult now and then. Every church will have it. Absolutely. And, and I said, he said, Pastor Terry, he said, you know, there's some, some of these people want to fire you. I said, they do. He's absolutely. I said, well, they can't do it. He said, I know. He said, but if they could, they would. And he said, if they did, I'd leave with you because I don't want to work for them. I want to work for you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. That doesn't mean that I'm powerful and I'm set up and I can't be corrected. I didn't mean that. Do you get the spirit of what I'm saying? You want somebody that can stand up here and doesn't have to be afraid of the deacon's wives or the elder's wives. You know there's a lot of pastors in this land can't say thus saith the Lord because the deacon's wives will have them fired. Did you know that? I don't want to go to a church like that. I'm not going to go to a church like that. I want to go to a church where a man is under authority like we are here. We're under authority. We answer to authority. Absolutely. But I can stand here and say, thus saith the Lord God. And I don't have to be afraid of man or beast or anybody firing me or taking my house or my car away from me and throwing me out on the street. Can you say amen? amen. That's the kind of preacher you want. Absolutely. I said absolutely the truth. I don't mean a tyrant, but I mean somebody that can, can say, thus saith the Lord, and not be afraid of man or beast. That's what you want. Absolutely the truth. You want to go to a church where the, where the, where the man can stand behind the pulpit and, and speak freely what the Holy Ghost is saying and let the flames of the fire of God come across the pulpit and lap across you, glory to God, and beat off any of the world that's on you. That's the kind of church you want to go to. Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. I said absolutely the truth. But Jeroboam, what he did was he fired the Levitical priest. He fired him. And, when, and, and what happened was is the political power was speaking to the priests, to the preachers. You don't want that in your country. You don't want the political power running the pulpit. You want the pulpit speaking truth to political power. And I tell you what, we came, and I don't care if you like it or not, we came real close to that in the, real close to that in this last election. We came real close to that. We really, really did. That, this country was headed towards that. Where, where, where the political power was, was trying to take over the pulpits of America. And I tell you what, you can't have that. I said you, 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 you can't have that. I tell you what, you cannot have political power Running the pulpits. The pulpits need to be free to speak truth to political power. And I tell you what, if you ever lose that in this nation, you will lose the freedom that is in this nation. Because when the, when political power runs the pulpit, then, then the people, they don't know what's right, they don't know what's wrong, they're gonna go with whatever the political power says because the preachers can't preach the word of God and you go into like a dark age, so to speak. You understand that? And so you don't want the political power running the pulpits. You want the pulpits speaking truth to political power. But that's what Jeroboam did. He fired all the Levitical priests. He got rid of them. And you know what he did? See, they were only supposed to be the, uh, from the tribe of Levi. But you know what he did? He let anybody that wanted to be a priest become a priest. And that's not good. I said that's not good. You know, if you look around in the community, there's churches every place. There's churches meeting in, in, in unbelievable because, I mean, they're meeting everywhere. Now, some say there's nothing wrong with that. You can't have too many churches. And part of me says amen to that. But did you know that every, just because there's a, a group meeting doesn't mean that that place is called by Almighty God. Did you know that? 
Did you know that there's a lot of them in, in, in the area and in the land that they just start up something and they get it going because that guy that started, he, he was supposed to be under a pastor, but he didn't agree with the pastor, so he decided to go out and start his own deal. Did you know that? I said, did you know that? I said, did you know that? Absolutely the truth. Most of them don't make it very long. They don't last very long. But you don't want to go to a place like that. You want to go to a place where God has called and ordained the pastor to be the pastor of that church where he can speak as a man of God. Can you say amen to that? Absolutely the truth. Anyway, he fired all the Levitical priests and he let anybody that wanted to be a preacher come and be, be, be the priest. Now that's not a good thing. And notice here, now watch this. The Lord confronted Jeroboam by sending him an unnamed prophet. Now this is very interesting. The Lord confronted Jeroboam. Why did he confront him on? On this idol worship. He'd have these altars where they'd have these golden calves and these priests that weren't really priests, they would they would officiate. And, and, and so this was going on in, in Israel. And the Lord, now watch this, this is really interesting. The Lord confronted Jeroboam by sending him an unnamed prophet from Judah, from the south, who publicly pointed out his sin during a golden calf worship ceremony at Bethel. Now, I like a pastor, a preacher, a prophet that's not afraid to do what this guy just did. We don't know his name. He's a prophet that came up out of Judah and he went and he confronted Jeroboam over this idol worship publicly, right at the house of God. And uh, he predicted God's judgment on, on Jeroboam and the nation for this practice. And to verify his prophecy, he declared that the altar at this ceremony would split in half and the ashes would spill over. Now that's pretty bold. He said, now here's my prophecy, judgment's coming, and to prove it, because the judgment won't come, it didn't actually come for about 300 years, if I'm, if I'm accurate on that, but he said, just to prove that it's right, that that, that, that altar is going to split open and the ashes from the burnt, the burnt sacrifice, that they're going to just, they're going to spill over. Now, now look at 1 Kings 13.4, now watch what happened, watch this. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam, 1 Kings 13, verse 4. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he, now watch this, watch what Jeroboam does. He stretches out his hand uh, uh, from the altar saying, arrest him, arrest this prophet, arrest him. You've got to be careful when you start pointing your finger at a man of God when he's under the anointing of God. And Jeroboam stretched out his hand and said to his, 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 his henchmen, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Wow. Withered, dry, or withered, dried, paralyzed. Now you think about that. You gotta be careful pointing your finger at a man or a woman of God who's operating under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You gotta be real careful. That's worth coming just to get that today, just to get that lesson there. Be real careful about pointing a finger at somebody that's under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And his hand paralyzed and withered and dried up right there. And he couldn't bring it back in. But now watch how gracious God is. Now watch this. Verse five. The altar, now the altar was split. Now you think about that. The altar was split when he pointed his finger. The altar was split and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. My gracious. Think about that. These are gold preachers here. These are gold prophets. They're not bronze. They're for real stuff here. 
Give me the for real. Then the king answered and said to the man of God. Now he's standing there with his arm paralyzed and withered. He can't draw it back in. And he says to the man of God, please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Do you see how good God is? I mean, this guy repented of that. Ask him to, you know, pray. And, and look, the man of God, what did he do? He prayed. That's a for real man of God. He forgave him. He prayed, right? Is that right? And he was, and God answered that quick and forgave him. See, God's gracious and merciful. He really, really, really is. We're going to see that as we deal with these kings in the weeks to come. We're going to see how gracious and merciful God is. He's gracious and he's merciful. Yes, he's a God of judgment, but he's gracious and he's merciful. And the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, now hang on this because I'm setting you up for next week here. Because I'm out of time, so I'm going to set you up for next week. So the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go go, uh, in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this palace. Place. Is it place or is it palace? I just said palace because I wanted to see if you were following along. And you are. Boy, you're right on the money. I like that. <laughs> I'm an old math teacher, not an English teacher. I can't read pretty good, but it's close. Place and palace, pretty close, right? Spelled almost identically, but not quite the same. But it was a place, right? It was a, it was a palace and a place. All right, lay off of me, Bonnie. Give me a break. Okay, lay, just hold it back. Oh, no, I'm teasing with you. She keeps me on my toes. I, I like it. She keeps me on my toes. I like that. I'm going to read it again just in honor of you, okay? And he said, and I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. place. Okay. But if he went back to the king's place, it's a palace, right? So, na, 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 na. So there you go. Okay. So it was, now watch this, but I want you to hang on this because we're going to learn a lesson. Uh, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread or drink water, nor return uh, by the same way you came. All right? So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now, I, 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 I tell you what, I'm out of time here. But what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a little assignment for next week. I want you to read 1 Kings 13, verses 11 through 24. And actually read on down to the end of that chapter. Because something interesting is going to happen with this young man. Okay? It's uh, 1 Kings 13, 11. I just read through, through verse 10. You pick up in, a verse, in verse 11. 1 Kings 13, 11. And go on down through the end of the chapter. Some, I know we're studying lessons of the kings. But we're going to learn a lesson from this young man. Who ministered to King Jeroboam. Now he was told... Uh, you see, the king wanted him to come over to his house, right? His place, which was a palace, and, uh, and, and wanted him to have so, something to eat. And what did the young man say, the, the prophet? He said, he said, no, the word of the Lord told me not to do that, right? Remember that? We just read it. But something's going to happen after this that I want you to read up and study up on. Something interesting is going to happen to this young prophet. There's going to be an old prophet Come on the scene and something's going to happen between them and we're going to learn a valuable lesson about obeying God 
from this and we'll pick up with this next week and then we'll go on to the next Kings. Did you get anything out of this today? Was it worth coming? Yes. It was worth coming? Okay. All right, it was more than just a little talk, wasn't it? Hey, if you're out there on social media and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to encourage you to receive Him. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So call on the name of the Lord. Call on Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So call on Jesus with a repentant heart. And in a moment's time, you'll become a child of God. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. God bless you. And thanks for being with us today. Okay, bye-bye.